and welcome to Big Gay Energy. I'm Bree. I'm Theora. And I'm Caitlin. Come along with us while we dive into the fun and nuances of queer media. Representation matters, and we're here to talk about it. What's on the Big Gay agenda today? Bree, Bree's back, everyone. All the cheers for all the queers today. Woo! Listen, finally... We're back with we are some warrior nun. What warrior nun fun? <laughs> warrior nun fun for episode mm-hmm. season two, episode seven. Yes, it Psalms. is called. Oh, do you know it? Oh, okay, go go. Psalms one sixteen fifteen. Yes, the wisest psalms. And how does this episode open? Um, it opens with <laughs> Ava. Literally and figuratively, uh, falling from grace into a stained glass window and then superhero landing on the floor of some building. (laughs) This whole opening, like we just got in, we came in on the badass. We did. Stayed in the badass. We did. And who swoops in after her? Well, it's Lilith. And they proceed to have, like, a battle in this swanky mansion that conveniently has, like, knight armor and weapons. Yeah. I mean, just off. Right. You You know, know, that's what my mansion has in it. You know, good location choice, guys, for your battle. Your battling. Yes. Uh, The fighting is pretty kick-ass throughout this entire place, though. So there's that, which is great. And uh, their banter is pretty fun, too. Yeah. But a couple of things happen during this fight scene that are important for the episode. Aiden even notices that, like, every time she has bare skin in the light, that it starts a sizzling. So she's like, what the fuck is this? And it turns out it's Adriel's new plague. He uh, sizzles the non-believers. Uh, ew. Yeah, for real. Ew. That is... He should not have any kind... I want to know what tech Jillian has that he has manipulated or Christian or whomever has manipulated into something that can tell if someone's a believer or not. Yeah. Are they doing like I don't even know like like instead of an x-ray it's like a prayer scan or it scans you and looks for like prayers if you prayed to Adriel you get or to Or did they just the give all the believers sunscreen? Right, it's and then also is it like manipulating the rays of the sun? That's pretty yeah. dramatic and you know not probable. No. So not only is it gross, um, but it's it's pure. It's you know classic slave drill. He's got to go over the top always on his bullshit. <laughs> yeah, but uh, on a less ill note. Um, What's at, what I found interesting about this scorching, like, light was that it sounds a lot like when Lilith was describing her time in the other dimension. So I also wonder, is this an Arctech technology thing, or is this something Adriel co-opted from Rhea, where, like, in the other dimension she manipulated the light to burn non-believers, like the way Lilith was burning when she got sent over there? He likes stealing shit from other people, so I'm just throwing he that does. out there. He's a thief. Yeah. He's not super original, you know? He's just an asshat. <laughs> I do like, the fight was really cool. The only it part was. I didn't like was when Ava gets impaled. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. That part was not so great. Pretty gory. Um, 
But before we get to the impaling, Ava and Lilith have a pretty important conversation where she's like, yeah. um, Lilith, come back to your sisters. We mm. remember you after seven episodes. Please come back. And basically, uh, Lilith lets it drop, like, all the things that have been bothering her while she's, like, pummeling Ava with her divinium wings. So it's like a therapy session with fists, if you will. And and she basically admits that she, as in Lilith, uh, does feels like she doesn't belong in this world, period. So it's almost like she went to the other side, that changed her forever, and now she came back and, like, she's like, where do I belong? I'm so different. I'm this anomaly with these wings nobody else has. My mom doesn't love me. My sisters didn't give a fuck about me. I just have this creepy dude who's, like, giving me advice. So it's, like, very sad that, like, Lilith just... She's been grappling with this identity crisis the whole season, and it just, like, comes out when she's, like, fighting um, Ava. Uh, so, but she makes some valid points about her journey here, so I appreciated yeah. this. Um, and, yeah, and in their fight scene, I, I do like watching these two fight together because they could both phase mm. in and out. Yeah, so, like, that was so cool. It's very cool. I like the way how they... Did their fight scenes together so it's it very fun to watch these two like i hate that they're at war with each other but her, their magical powers are really fun like to watch yeah. in a fight scene you know you uh, have to yeah. have them fight it might as well make it really awesome i totally agree but unfortunately that fighting leads to the impaling you were talking about <laughs> because there's a of course there's a knight armor like armor suit suit of sword. armor yeah. yeah, and then Ava goes bloop. right onto it. Right onto it. Right onto it. That just that looked like it was stings a little. Uh, just a little. There's like blood dripping out of her mouth. I think it hurt a lot. I don't... Yeah, and and <laughs> then you've got while this is she's like literally impaled on a sword. Freaking Lilith's over here like join us. Yes, so, come to the dark side. Come to the dark side. We have cookies and creepy men that'll kiss you. Yeah, you know he hasn't killed you yet. He's a good guy. I was like, he what hasn't is this killed you, talk? but he would have if he didn't like you. So you should come hang out with us, have the real power and whatnot, and also you don't really have a choice because yeah. No. Gaslighting at its finest. But she does have a line that I like where she says, come with me and you can finally be yourself without fear or consequence. Because, like, boom. Like, that's really the thing that Lilith is getting out of this creepy relationship with Adriel. Like, he gives her, you know, everybody forgot about her and was like, ew. And then he basically just, like, gave her the autonomy to just be and just thrive as she is. Um, right. Yeah. So, like... That is what she, at the crux, is really getting out of this relationship. She can be herself, do what she wants. She's not judged by him. She's like, Ava, you can have that too. Because, like, literally everybody's been judging you since day one, including me. But, like, come join me and it'll be fine. <laughs> so I don't think she wants to be in the creepy guy train. No, I think that Ava has gone through some growth since she's last really had a chat with Lilith and has found a path that works for her, even though it's a shitty one where she gets impaled by swords, you know? Eh, what's a uh, good sword impaling by former friends? Yeah, yeah. So, in a nutshell, Ava is not buying what Adriel's selling, basically. Um... And then when Lilith finds out, she's like, well, fuck you then. And I'm going to rip the halo out of your back. Because that's really why I'm here. <laughs> just yeah. Like, which is really what Adriel's really after. He's like, yeah, you can come hang out with me, but you're not going to hang out with me. Well, I'm just going to take that shit from your back because I need it. 
For your chest, no less. In the worst possible way. Um, But of course, Ava's like, yeah, that's not going to happen. And so she decides to mace. (laughs) Well, (laughs) Well, first she phases herself back through the suit of armor and the wall, which I thought was super smart. Because if you're being, if you're impaled on a sword and your former friend-ish frenemy is- Frenemy, yeah taunting you basically and then saying they're gonna kill you like i don't know if i would think of phasing backwards into yeah. the suit of armor that was really cool and yes she does get ready and like use that mace in the best way possible i mean she's smart because she got the element of surprise there yep. from lilith because lilith then has to phase through the wall and has no idea what's happening and just like what's with all the eye gore that keeps happening in this don't season? know don't know but is this the, like her face was mincemeat after oh that. my god it, it's like literal eye for an eye stuff that keeps happening absolutely and like damn disturbing but, disturbing but brilliant move on ava's part here um it does get lilith to back off for a little bit and you know kind of before this whole like thing ends I actually think before before the phasing lilith says a line that i really like where she's like well you're right about one thing ava you are the last warrior nun. Yes. Like, that line. Uh, I don't know about you, Bree, but I agree with that statement. I think Ava is actually the, she the is last, the last warrior, warrior nun. nun. I think the this all ends with her. Continue. It does. Yeah. Uh, the something that story ends, and then I think something else begins. Not a Catholic church fighting. Yeah. I mean, because now we know what. what this we don't know now we know that this isn't just like demons attacking from whatever we know this is something else from another dimension so there's a level of knowledge and i think the last warrior nun had to not actually be a nun (laughs) yeah so um also i'd like to, to shout out to the special effects makeup folks for that gruesome ass real looking face after the after the whole mace thing it was shredded it was gnarly awful she's gonna need a facial yeah good thing they have healing powers because that would be the worst oh yeah anything else for that that about sums that up um all right so from there we're gonna go on over and uh, visit with everyone who's sad right now (laughs) the saddest scene (laughs) oh yeah a great fight scene to this mess we've got uh jillian and beatrice leaning over mother superior and they don't they can't do anything else for her the ambulance is too far away yeah and we know what's about to happen and then you've got sister dora just chilling in the back she's she's there no lines just Hanging out and being hot in the back. She's like, I don't really know you people that well. <laughs> Pretty much. I don't know you and I'm not sure exactly what's going on. I can just tell it's emotional and I'm going to stay back here. You guys do you. Um, so Beatrice tells Mother Superior that God will embrace her as his champion. And she's like, um, well, I don't know about that because I made a lot of mistakes in my life. And I've denied God's light. I don't know why I sound like an evangelical preacher right now, but it's, it's just that's who Mother Superior is at her finest at her final hours, I guess, or minutes. Yeah, uh, she talks. She just 
talks about how she's resented God and Ava and, you know, and her jealousy over losing the halo, basically. Uh, which is super sad because we we know Mother Superior has grown as much as Ava has in her time, like, since we met her, even, I, I believe. And, uh, yeah, so Beatrice, like, kind of comes back at her by telling her, and I think this is actually a good general line, even if you don't take the God part, like, God won't look over for victories or medals, but for scars. So basically what you've gone through and where you, what you've become as a person is what counts, not you doing everything right. So I think that was a really good line. And of course, Beatrice says it. Of course. Because <laughs> it's Beatrice. Age old wisdom. Yep. Uh, so Mother Superior tells Beatrice to take care of the girls because who's gonna that she's the one yeah the leader now she's the only one she's left the most this. organized she's like you know everybody's name you're probably well, you the know best one for this they got into the whole bar that they were working at and she became manager in a month so. i know yeah she got this yeah absolutely and then that's when so mother superior dies it ish Dies-ish. And then, of course, Beatrice does her whole, I'm going to draw this cross on your forehead and let the Lord that frees you from sin save you. And guess who walks in after coming back from that fight? It's Ava. And she sees what's going on. And you can just tell that seeing Mother Superior in, in that condition is, she like, breaks her a little bit and so she walks over and gets down on the ground with mother superior's body and is crying and she's like placing her hands over her and is like cuddling her and she struggles out the word mother because this is her like she didn't have a mom forever and then mother superior came along and she had a family even if the not hot priest was a part of it at first. Ugh, yeah. This this moment was really sad for Ava. And it made me wonder if, like, Ava ever properly got to mourn the loss of her biological parents. Yeah. Because if you think about it, it went from, like, she was on a trip with her family in Spain to horrific car crash. She was woke up in an orphanage paralyzed. So I I don't know if, like, she ever truly got that mourning period and, like, here's the passing of a parental figure like you're saying and she can actually like mourn it and feel all those things in yeah. real time she was very young when that happened too and yeah you don't uh comprehend that kind of thing when you're that totally. young so i think this is probably this is a big thing for her in multiple ways but because the halo likes miracles guess what while she's giving Mother Superior's corpse a cuddle, <laughs> she comes back. Yay! Um, so the halo starts to glow. It gets super bright, and it somehow brings Mother Superior back to life. Probably because she bore the halo uh, before it rejected her, and so it could heal Mother Superior 
through contact with Ava. That's my theory. Yeah, I mean, in the next scene, she basically says, the halo reached out to me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Again, I think it adds to, like, that growing amount of evidence that says that the halo thing is sentient in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Yeah. So not only does it bring her back to life, but it also heals her scar that uh, she yeah, has, uh, which is huge. Yeah. And she says that she hasn't felt this way since... And then there's like a pause and Ava's like, since it was yours, the halo. Um, and then they they have a little hug and Mother Superior laughs and it's a whole new Mother Superior. New and improved or new and back up to snuff. I think after all this Adriel business is done, Ava can set up a cosmetic business. Like, hate that gnarly scar? Come on down to Ava's cosmetic miracle <laughs> shop. Yeah. Or maybe at minimum she can be like the party healer going yeah. forward. Fabulous. Yeah. Very um, cool, Mother Spirian. Uh, yeah, I was worried. Back in the same scene. I was worried she was gonna die since like the Me beginning too. of the season. I was like, she got like down. surely they're not gonna kill her now. Like this is the episode before last. I mean, it would give uh, give Beatrice and Ava like a reason to be super pissed, but still. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that she's alive. Uh, I'm glad that she's alive, too. And I'm glad that Ava didn't lose another surrogate parent. Because she keeps losing all her parental figures. You know, like, some sad, some, like, for the better. Like, she lost the nun in the orphanage that was watching her, who was abusive. But still, like, parental figure imposed on her. And then the not-hot priest was, like, the deadbeat dad that, like, betrayed her, abandoned everybody. And she lost her actual parents. And now she's, like, losing, like, the one good parental figure. So, like, who made this giant sacrifice for her and everybody else so i'm glad that that didn't put like thank bisexual jesus that mother superior is here to fight another day because like poor ava in that moment must have just felt like she was going to be abandoned and alone all over that loneliness the thing that ava is really most afraid of like i feel like that's kind of why the voice was cracking and stuff because it was just like that her biggest fear kind of like playing out so i'm i'm very glad it didn't but like poor ava in that moment you know i agree yeah so all right so next scene uh mother superior is like at the table with the nuns and is just like glowing like the woman is glowing not only is her skin radiant but like her faith has been restored you know and all that baggage from the halo rejecting her is finally gone because she's been kind of lamenting about that. It's partially why she resented Ava. She's like, you don't even fucking want this. Because I think her and Lilith have that kind of in common where they felt, they feel that the halo going to somebody worthy of the halo means a lot in their religion, etc., their group. So I think here she's finally like, it rejected me, you know, but it still loves me because it reached out to me and saved my life, you know. So I think she just has the weight of the world like lifted off of her for once, which I think is it's really great. It's almost like in Mother Superior and the Halo made up, you know? Right, exactly. Yeah, so I think this is a big moment for her and like will lead to like character shift, character growth for her because like the past is in the past now for Mother Superior. Everybody at the table looks so happy for Mother Superior and this glowing mother, Adora, Ava... Except Beatrice. Uh, Beatrice looks uh, distracted. Her eyes are like glued to her hands. She looks very lost in thought. 
And I think partially because she is still reeling from the last episode, uh, revisit yeah. our episode six discussion from way back when for a more in-depth about what she's reeling from. But I think she's still reeling and she's stuck in the past. Um, but notably from the table, two people that are missing are Camilla and Yasmin because they're presumed to be like dead casualties of the encounter with Adriel. And uh, so, like, a good woman of faith, Mother Superior's like, let us pray for our fallen comrades. And everybody's about to do it except Beatrice, who says, to hell with that. To hell. A swear word. So you know Beatrice is majorly triggered by the fact that she's swearing out loud and does not do a sign of the cross. None of that. Yep. Something's super bothering her. And truly, she's been having her own crisis of faith for a while now and i she is at her breaking point and and she's like feels like she's losing everything she even mentioned she's like like who are we even praying to like adriel's stealing the prayers like what are we even doing like what is the point is what she's saying and she just like storms out of the room and ava like a good lovesick puppy follows her mm. so then we end up in this fairy tale looking scene where Beatrice and Ava are out alone on the balcony with this gorgeous golden bathed countryside behind them. And to me, they're setting up the fairy tale moment yeah. because they're going to have, there's going to be a fairy tale discussion that's going to happen here that does not pan out basically. In the, in the scene, Beatrice confesses to Ava that the, the thing she's so upset about is really, she was compromised and she, you know and we've talked about this before uh when we first talked about warrior nun is like beatrice is like the character you can't compromise on her beliefs because she believes in what she's doing she sticks to her morals she's very disciplined but beatrice is compromised by her feelings for ava and in the battle with adriel she her feelings won out over her thoughts and her logic and she feels like she is responsible for losing the crown of thorns because she saw it could have gone for it and ended this but instead she stopped ava from detonating the divinium bomb with michael and thus killing her in the process so she chose ava over like ending you know the mission kind of thing which beatrice has never done before beatrice's mission no matter what but in that moment she knows she broke her own oaths and put somebody a person above the ocs above the mission above her morals and principles and so she's she is beating herself up about that and ava points out the obvious she's like well you know yeah we may have failed but like you saved my life so is that really a failure like am i not important so ava starts really immediately she's like what are you really saying here because i now i'm scared and you know in the moment beatrice acknowledges that she has a bias here and uh she's been biased towards ava all along ava's not just her sister not her comrade not just the warrior nun ava means way more to her because of the way she feels about ava and in the moment beatrice acted very selfishly and jeopardized the ocs and all of humanity so that's that's a lot to you know process and deal with uh because you know if she would have left ava to die and left her and Michael to be all Suicide Squad, the world would have been saved. But, you know, Beatrice did what she did because her feelings won out the logic. Uh, and so Beatrice is 
concluding this is a personal failure on her part, which it kind of is, but, you know, it, it's complicated, like most things in life. Yeah. You know? Um, and I think that Ava, on some level, like when the adrenaline of that moment kind of wore off, I, th- you know, I think she kind of maybe put the dots together about what Beatrice really did. By saving her. Because, you know, in, in Ava's mind, she's like, I can end this right here and now if I sacrifice myself. But Beatrice stopped her from doing that. So then Ava failed, kind of, by not killing Adriel. So I think she kind of put together what Beatrice really did and kind of why it's a big deal. Um, you know, Beatrice chose her. That That's a, that's a big deal. And, and Ava's been, like, pushing and pushing and pushing for signs of Beatrice to, like, reciprocate the feelings. And, like, here it is. It's right here. Uh, and, and poor Ava, like, the, the pain is just, like, evident on her face as Beatrice is basically telling all this. Um, and Beatrice is, like, kind of, like, doesn't confirm, kind of confirms it by not, you know, confirming it here. And, and basically is, like, maybe we're just delaying the inevitable here. Like, we can't, we are who we are. Like, you're still the warrior, not at the end of the day. And, like... We can't escape our destinies, is what she's saying. Like, it hurts to hear that. Like, but it's true. And just like, poor Ava. Thanks, Caitlin. Yeah, it's super sad because you can see Ava, like you said, has realized what Beatrice did and then she's kind of tentatively reaching out with the uh, hoping that they can have have a little, like, she can, I think she can tell that Beatrice is pretty much shut down in a way. She's definitely shutting down. She's shutting down and Ava's trying to tentatively be like, um, but love and gayness. <laughs> Yeah, because, like, Beatrice seems like she's given up the fight, mm-hmm. which Beatrice never does, and Ava's alarmed by that. And Ava's at the point where she's like, well, I'm not going to give up without a fight. You know, so... But the but the irony here is that by not fighting, quote-unquote, Beatrice is fighting. Like, she's, she's doing the harder thing, which is loving the warrior nun which is what camilla warned her about she's like loving the warrior nun is going to be the hardest thing you're ever going to have to do because she's not yours really she belongs to some cosmic thing that's bigger than you and i think this is beatrice's acknowledgement of that and she's she's fighting her own wants to do what's best for the world here like she's making that kind of stance because because of what she said and then the fact that right after this we jump into the fantasy moment where where, you know, Ava's like, okay, I guess I'll run away, like you're telling me, but will you come with me? And then we can relive what we were just doing for two months in the Swiss Alps. Like, we could be together, and, like, the Halo will be safe, like you want, But and then we can both get what we want. It doesn't have to be the end. Like, that, the, the inevitability of what you're saying doesn't have to be. Like, we can keep going, and... yeah. But, and go back to like when we were hiding out and yeah, we're serving drinks and having tearing a bed. <laughs> yeah, but I, and I think Ava's understands why Beatrice is like pushing her away and is being like, no, you got to go because like 
the halo is the number one priority. You have it. You need to go. But Ava's like, to go and be alone is then I'm alone. And I don't want to be alone. That's her worst fear. So it's just, it's very sad because like they're set in this like fantasy looking like scenery. Ava's like, come with me. We could be together. And it's just like the bursting of their little bubble that they've created over those two months. And like the finality of that. And, and Beatrice basically being like, you know, I can't go with you. That's not how this works. Like we can't have the fantasy. We can't have it all. I just can't. And it's just the, that rejection. Um, yeah. But Beatrice says the words, I can't here. And I want to put a pin in that for a later Avatrice conversation that's much heavier where she uses that same language. Mm-hmm. And that is the scene. Yeah. We're going to go from that sadness, I guess. <laughs> I'm going to stay in that. Can't they just have the fairy tale? And then we got to go to Camilla and Todd. Their banter is cute. Give it's them that. Cute. Fine. Fine. I just love Camilla. She's adorable. She is. All right. So they're in a cell uh, in the middle of the megachurch of ass reel. And Todd thinks that they should exchange names for morale. And I love that he's trying to, like, shoot his shot while they're <laughs> in a torture in, dungeon in the torture dungeon because that takes some balls it does like, <laughs> yeah yeah gotta give it to him i'm gonna give him that and he makes a bad joke about being tied up but it does make camilla laugh and that's what counts so yeah. as long as he's good to camilla he can stay uh so <laughs> uh Basically, they do the whole name exchange. There's another bad joke. I I have to admit, maybe my problem with going to the... <laughs> with Todd is because we both make bad jokes. Maybe I'm just seeing myself and Todd. That didn't sound right. Anyway, so... <laughs> they're like, you come... Pretty much, it's like you come here often... <laughs> She, and Camilla, he got the laugh, so it yeah. worked. Like, it's my first time. Kind of sucked. Yeah. <laughs> I love that she played along. That was really she gave, a, a like, her trip advisor review of the <laughs> ass real church dungeon. Would not recommend. So we just get a little cute scene that tells us that she is still inside there and Todd is still inside there and they're being held captive. Yeah. So, you know, shit's about to go down with the two of yep. them. Yep. And from there, we shoot on over to Jillian and Michael. And before we get too much into this, I just, I just, why are their scenes together so creepy? I don't know. <laughs> I know it's not supposed to be. I don't, I feel of, like I'm missing something. Like, why is it creepy to me? Why is it so creepy when they're together? <sighs> There's a line that there's a line that it crosses that is I know uncomfortable because it goes to a place where moms and sons shouldn't go, and I don't understand. 
Okay. I just wanted to preface this. I'm glad we're on the same page. This scene's creepy. It just has creepy vibes. It just I only is. have one. I'm going to tell them my one note about this scene is I don't care and ew. So. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we'll just get through this. Okay. With that acknowledged and out of the way. So in the scene, Dr. Salvius is inspecting Michael and all his wounds. Even that makes <laughs> It's probably because he's shirtless and it's just weird. And she's like, oh, you're a man now. And I'm like. Why are we saying this? It's so weird. I understand. He was a child. And then the blink of eye, he was an adult. It's still just, the scene is creepy, okay? Anyway. So. It's because it feels like she's looking at him like a piece of meat. It's gross. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The important part of the scene is that they talk about Adriel's church, um, and what went down because she has been obsessing over the tape because she saw, you know, Michael and Ava almost do the Divinian bomb. And she was like, what is this? Because I heard you mouthing or figured out or whatever. You said, we'll never get another chance. Like, what on earth do you mean about that? And she asks about that and also acknowledged and picked up on the fact that when he saw Rhea on the tape, Something changed in him. And we speculated a bunch about what the hell that was. But I'm glad that she also noticed. She's like, something, some kind of switch went off when you were looking at her. What the hell is that all about? And he's basically like, doesn't answer that part, which is suspicious. Um, And is essentially like, listen, like the OCS, they mean well, but like, this is bigger than them. And if they keep going down this route of thinking they're the ones that are going to stop this, they're not. Like, they're just going to die. And so... We're all pawns and whatever the hell this big old Angels and Demons game is. And I am somebody with the capability to stop this because I was chosen by the higher powers. So it has to be me, unfortunately. And I'm sorry that our lives suck. And like, no matter what, you can't just have the child you want. You just, you're stuck in this situation with me. So that's kind of like what he's acknowledging. And, uh. I don't know. I think that I think in the scene, I do like the way um, basically like Rhea's plan to me sounds like the opposite of Adriel's approach because here Michael's almost acting like I've accepted my fate. I accept that I play a bigger part in this whole thing. And while I don't want to do it um, because he was telling Ava like, oh, I was having fun being a Samaritan and being a being a kid, basically, because he never got to be one, you know, he's accepted the fact that Ray is my master, I'm going to do what she says, because it's for the greater good. Versus, like, Adriel, who's just, like, against people's will, just shoving demons in their body and just using fear and violence to control everybody. So I think it's interesting, I think, through this conversation and through those kind of, like, methods, it's, like, setting up a Rhea as a foil for Adriel, which is interesting, because we still don't know, at this point, a lot about Rhea. So... And I think the writers are purposely keeping her shrouded because I think that later on, after season two, we'll we'll get more about her. But, like, from the glimpses we're getting from other characters that have interacted with her, I just find that very, very, very interesting. The way she's almost, like, empowering her, like, peons versus Adriel is, like, intimidating slash co-opting their bodies with his demons kind of thing. So, interesting that they have different approaches like that. All right. Um, but the theme of this whole ep- this scene is just compassion because Jillian doesn't want to lose her son. 
because as she points out, you've sacrificed enough. And truly, they've all sacrificed uh, everything for the whims of these interdimensional beings. And uh, just like Beatrice, Jillian kind of blames herself. Always. Like, she's since day one has just blamed herself um, about Michael's fate. Like, everything is her fault and her, like, moral failing kind of thing. But, you know, he reassures her that, like, you know, we're pawns in an ancient game. What are we going to do? And finally, finally, at the end of the scene, Michael gives his mom what she wanted all along, which is just validation and gratitude. Because, like, that's all she wanted, like, you know, from her son. Uh Who she's been, like, obsessed about finding and keeping safe. And he finally, like, validates her, which is, like, to me, the key of this whole scene. Besides him, like, healing himself with divinium. I think that's, like, the main point of the scene. Yay. And they got they got to wrap their shit up because uh, things aren't going to end well for them. No, I like you know. That. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, things going to end well for many people in this show. I mean, when All interdimensional right. beings are battling, it's, it's there will be casualties. Yeah. We are their fodder. Yes. That's the other point of that scene. Yep. <laughs> well said. So. Camilla and Todd, again. Again. Back to Camilla and Todd. He's yeah. still he's still going. Like, how'd you end up here? And I love Camilla's answer because it's what I would say. Uh, I loved it so much. Well, I got in the van. <laughs> They're both dorks. <laughs> They're both dorks and I love it. Yes. Uh, so she goes into her, a little bit of her backstory, which thank God we Yay! finally get this. I know we were talking about that before season two. We're like, hopefully we'll get Camilla's backstory, and yeah. like, boom, here it is. So her dad died when she was really young, and her she and her mother were left with nothing. So she realized how much her mother was struggling to provide for both of them, and to keep her safe and whatnot and so Camilla decided to join the convent and that's like what what kid makes is like yeah I guess I'll go become a nun so I'll be taking care of her. my mom doesn't have to worry about me yeah she was 15 she was 15 15 and her mo- I was not that selfless at 15 yeah her motivation <laughs> is like I see the burden my mother's under for caring for me let me take me out of the equation so exactly. she has less to worry about like Wow. What a story to flesh out this character. I you know? know. Love it. So, basically, uh, <laughs> and then comes the joke about convent food. <laughs> so you did it for the food. And she's like, no, that would have been a mistake. <laughs> so, <laughs> now we know the grub's not so great. Um, uh, yeah. She said that she did it for service, but found... Yeah. Much, much more love, peace, and acceptance. So that's her OCS sisters. Yeah. Um, and some ass-kicking lessons, apparently. And she got a harem. She <laughs> did get a harem. <laughs> They're all dead now. They're but... all dead now, but hey, she had one. <laughs> she did. <sighs> Little Camilla. Little so Camilla. the banter that we're enjoying ends abruptly when some guards come in and take Todd. Yeah. Uh, Camilla fights them until she, some one of them hits her with a stun wand. Yeah. What I'll call it. Um, and he's like, I'll go with you. Just leave her alone. And 
so they take them, and I'm like, well, that's not good at all. They're and then my brain automatically goes to, what are they going to do with them? Well, the only logical thing I can think of, and it happens later. So, Yeah. I, I do like the scene, though, like the end with Camilla and Todd, because it shows the similarities between the two of them. Yeah, it does. Because... You know, Camilla's story was basically, like, I saw my mother was in trouble and I sacrificed myself, basically, to save her. And, like, with Todd, he doesn't give himself up to, like, the goons until they start going after Camilla. And he's like, leave her alone, just take me, kind of thing. Yep. So, like, they both have that in common, their ability to sacrifice themselves f to help others, kind of thing. Which I thought was cute. It, like, I don't know. I hope he's that okay dorky sense of humor. Yeah, and their dorky sense of humor. Also cute. I hope he's okay at the end, for her sake. All right, so uh, we're going to leave the creepy-ass dungeon and uh, cut it over to Ava and Beatrice's bedroom. Uh -huh. uh, it's canon. I don't care what yeah. the fuck anybody else says. And Ava is sitting alone on the bed, shrouded in shadows, and her fingers are just lightly tracing the bed sheets along the edge where the sunlight meets the shade. And personally... Uh, I think a lot of side of the bed. Yes, I think a, a lot of things are running through her mind, including the fact that that is Beatrice's side of the bed, and she's upset that Beatrice, uh, she might lose Beatrice pretty soon, in like one way, shape, or form, depending on how this fuckery plays out. Yeah, that's Beatrice's side of the bed. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, she's having Beatrice thoughts and end of the world thoughts. So, yeah. Guess who comes in? Well, not Beatrice. Um. Definitely not Beatrice. Unfortunately, it's Michael, uh, who just got back from that creepy convo with his mom. And he apologizes to Ava for basically everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're like, cool, are we on the same page, Suicide Squad? And they're like, yeah. And um, Ava's like, wait a minute. Um, I don't know. I've had some time to think about this. And, you know, there's got to be another way besides us blowing each other into smithereens for whatever the hell this is all about. Like, Ray's plan can't be that great. And Michael says, um, listen, don't be afraid. Um, accepting death could lead to enlightenment. And Ava, Ava, rightfully calls out this bullshit as Raya propaganda. That's probably, like, how she got him on board with this. And she's like, fuck that. Um, I've been dead. And I can tell you, there's literally nothing. There's no glory. There's no afterlife reward. You just, there's nothing. There's nothing. So, like, don't try to sell me on this shit. Um, because I've been there. Been there, done that. And Ava, too, like, definitely, rightfully, is, like, questioning this plan. Because she just got her life back and does not want to lose it. And she's just started to finally live her life in this season and see the possibilities of having a life with love and a mother figure and all the things she was denied from the car accident, basically. <sighs> what Michael oh. says also sounds super culty. Uh, literally all of his language in this conversation is very, very, very culty. But he does make the point of like, yeah, I understand that you want to like be, a, be around the people you love and, like, not sacrifice yourself in that way. But, like, if we don't do it and everybody dies, then w what was the point of anything? You know, we're going to lose either way kind of thing. Like, the world could go down in flames and we're all fucked. So, 
And deep down, I think that Ava is afraid of that, too. That was partially her motivation for trying to do the suicide bomb in the other episode, where she's like, yeah, if we, if Adriel fucks up the world, everybody's fucked. Let us just sacrifice ourselves so everybody else can live. Or, and in her mind, at very least, Beatrice can, like, live her life and be free if Ava does the sacrifice. But yep. I think at this point, she isn't at that acceptance stage anymore. I think she's still reeling from the conversation with Beatrice. And she doesn't really want to give up on having it all. So she, she's still trying to think of another way out of this. And that's when her brain... It's kind of like, hey, memory time, memory time. During that kerfuffle, you remember when that not hot priest took the crown of thorns? Maybe we should go after that. Because remember, that was a huge deal. We had to get Yasmin and do a heist. And that thing's probably important. So she's like, listen, I'm not going to throw away my shot quite yet. I got to find the not hot priest and that crown of thorns. And she like pieces out of there. Yeah. Speaking of the not hot priest. Mm. I hate speaking of the not hot priest. Yeah, me too. Wait. At the end of that scene, wasn't Beatrice, like... Hovering? Chill- yeah, she was chilling on the other side of that... The door, basically, but the the curtain kind of hiding and listening to this convo. Was that this convo? Or was was that, a- that this convo? Was that the last episode when they was were it? making I the can't... plan to do the suicide bomb? I think it was the last episode. I think it was the last episode. Yeah, this anyway. one... This one was just a, I gotta go after the priest, and, like, it kind of just My ends mind that Beatrice is always near Ava. Beatrice so. was, you know, Ava was having Beatrice thoughts. That's her yeah, side of the bed. Like, yeah. I was having Beatrice thoughts. Anyway, yeah. back to the not hot priest, where there's no Beatrice and no hotness to be had. No. Well, <laughs> Ava shows up, so there's that later. Well, yeah, yeah, true. But, like, at this moment, there's no. none. Because all we've got are goons with hockey sticks and the not hot priest. <laughs> okay, can we talk about the way this beginning of the scene doesn't make any fucking sense? Thank you. Like, I, <laughs> I love that they're, like non-believer blah 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 prove to us that you're fine first of all he's in the sun and not sizzling and second of all immediately after this they're like oh your eminence i'm sorry like how did they not know who you what What? did they they, are they blind in the beginning of the scene or something like they can't see that he's not frying and who he is right what is the scene i don't understand i don't understand it at all like it's It's just to show us they're it's just to set up this scene and I guess set up Adriel's to show us that um yeah his cult has moved into fascism and they're they're like being violent towards the others I guess but yeah. like it doesn't make sense no, it doesn't <laughs> no. In, anyway uh God logic way um not the important part of the scene but something that stuck out yeah <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, like you said, they they recognize him after a minute, I guess. I know. So weird. Maybe the secret not hot priest signal went on above his head. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I should know who no. you are. Whoops. Yeah. Don't tell Adriel I don't want to get fired. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have to give my hockey mask back. Right. <laughs> your, your eminence, forgive me. And I'm like, a, what is he, a cardinal now? <laughs> a, a cardinal and Adriel's? I know. How high up is he really in this organization? Right. He didn't know who he was three seconds ago. <laughs> Precisely. So he 
walks along after this encounter and he sees a, mur- a mural of Adriel, almost a Muriel. A for Muriel. some reason. A Muriel's wedding of this <laughs> uh, old movie. Anyway, moving on. A mural of Adriel and and with Ava floating down to him. So it's like a fallen angel type of... It's an interesting... I like this. This art is something I would have. I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's standing there looking at this and then he reaches towards it into the light and it burns him. So not hot priest is not a believer. Uh, Ava walks up next to him and they stand in silence for a moment. And he's, and she's like, um, is that me? <laughs> yeah, girl. Yeah, girl, you deserve to be on a mural. In fact, can we just get rid of Adriel and you can have your own mural? That'd be Thanks. great. Uh, I believe Beatrice would pay visits. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, he, he says you've made an impression. Yeah. Yeah. She's Ava. That she was on worldwide television. Yeah. That's where this exactly. came from. <laughs> so he wants to know, he's like, how'd you find me? And Ava goes, last time I saw you, it looked like you had some thinking to do. And the nearest, that's the nearest bar to Adriel's Cathedral. So mm. she's logic girl. Yep. As we said in that earlier scene, she's smart. And she knows that the alcoholic's going to go to the bar. So she said, she points out that the light spares Adriel's believers and... Is just saying, oh, so you're not a believer anymore. Okay, well, now we know. Not Hot Priest has turned against his cult leader. Could you have done this back before you broke him out? But hey, whatever. Um, She then confronts him about the crown, and he pulls it out of his jacket. Um, So... She asked why he didn't give it to Adriel, and he's like, well, I was hoping against hope. And she's like, so was I. And then they just both look at the mural again. So she's found the not-hot priest. He's not on Adriel's side anymore, and she's now got the crown. Yeah. Uh, I just want to point out a couple of things from that scene. First of all, to evade the sun, Ava's got her hat on again. Mm -hmm. But it's not backwards. So that's a travesty. But I understand why it has to be front-facing to hide her from the sun. So there's just that. Secondly, the not-hot priest, when his hand starts a sizzling, so he's in the sun the whole time, which is weird. So he's, like, not 100% off of the Adriel train. He's just, his his commitment to Adriel, a belief in Adriel, rather, is a wavering. And... The point at which his hand starts, uh, he starts burning is when his hand reaches for the image of Ava. So I find that interesting. So it's almost like in that moment is when he was really questioning and leaning so much that the rays were like, fuck, shun the non-believer. So that's what happened there. (laughs) (laughs) She's gonna do it, Charlie. Charlie the unicorn Yes, Caitlin's gonna kill you. I know. Shun the non-believer. Shun the non-believer. So that's the Candy Mountain. <laughs> he should go to Candy Mountain for real. He should go to Candy Mountain. Like for real. Like just go on. Just figure out what's out there. Not hot priest. Uh, we won't miss you. <laughs> and stay in Candy Mountain. And but anyway, 
I have one last comment about the graffiti. Because um, I think the graffiti itself is really interesting. So the image comes from, obviously, the big televised showdown with the Pope, where Ava was, like, coming down to, like, put the crown on Adriel, basically. And I think it's interesting that on the mural, it describes Ava as an angel. Because Adriel's cult calls him an angel. So I think this depiction, which we all know he's not. He's some being that came from another dimension and it fucked up everything. But... I think this is hammering home the point that was really started in season one is that we humans don't have language really for what is actually happening with this big interdimensional battle. And so we're just like labeling things with terms we know. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, if this whole thing catches on and we do keep labeling this, it's like an angel versus angel situation, which is interesting. Um, and so I, I wonder if this plays out and like... Ava being framed as an angel catches on, um, like, how the public at large will, like, take that. Because, like, I've come to realize through going through a panini and living in America in the current times that, like, the truth is what people, is what people believe, not necessarily what is reality and the truth. So I just wonder how that would get framed if, like, Ava is an angel and, like, Adriel is an angel. Right. And, like, how that would change faith and stuff like that in the world at large. Just That's interesting to think about. Yeah. I think this whole this whole season is an interesting oh. question in, in that. Oh, for sure. For sure. So, also, cool graffiti. Whoever did that, shout out to you. Yeah. Shout out to that artist. Shout out to you. So, we leave the graffiti and head back to the lab where Jillian is telling... Michael, her hypothesis of where the Ark is. Because remember, that shit went missing, and that's why Mother Superior almost died. And Can I interrupt you for one? Yes. I have a problem. My problem is that if you put their names together, Jillian and Michael, you get Jillian Jillian Michaels. Michaels. (laughs) Yes, I would rather these be scenes with Jillian Michaels. This is the only way we get to gay with these two. Right. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Back to the scene. Yeah, so Jillian Michaels is talking about where the Ark is. <laughs> and, Jillian, and Jillian is like, listen, um, that cathedral I paid for and accidentally sponsored is really designed to funnel prayer energy because that's what it's doing. And it comes from the roof. She figured that out with her spy glasses. And it seems like, from what I can tell, all the prayer energy is being funneled to that really creepy cross in the middle and it's like going somewhere. And so they follow the energy conduction and they're like, well, it can only be one place, which is down. So it's probably underneath this building directly below that, which like is on brand for Adriel because his first church was underground also. So makes sense. That's what Yaz told us a thousand years ago. Adriel's not super creative, so he's probably doing the same thing. So boom, they know where the Ark is and now everybody's just got to go get it. That's right. Mm-hmm. Jillian Michaels knows. <laughs> Forever changed in my mind. Anyway. But, but to be fair, that scene with them wasn't actually creepy. That was a good no, scene with the two of them. that was a good them. scene. Yeah. It yeah. was the only not creepy scene that I can remember between them. Me too. Is that one. But, yeah. So let's go hang out with Camilla. And Todd's back. Um, but not really. Todd's possessed. He is. He's not okay. Todd is got has got some 
has got negative Todd energy and all demon energy going on right now, or yeah. whatever these creatures are that are inhabiting uh, people. So, yeah. basically, <laughs> they're, basically what they're doing is they're taking these prisoners and they are possessing them with the creatures. And he's here to take Camilla out for the same treatment, which I call and have deemed demon with a dash of lime. Ooh. So. <laughs> don't go to happy hour for that. Don't go to, don't go to demon with a splash of lime happy, happy hour, please. Hour. That is, uh, they give it to you for free. Yeah, it's no cost. Like it. <laughs> <laughs> the demons are the only one happy at the end of that hour. Pretty much. So. Turns out there's a twist because the other guard that was with Todd was Yasmin all along. Hey! Yay! When, oh when, are Camilla and Yasmin getting a spinoff? I know. I want it. They could be a really good mystery solving I know. With duo. their hot pink van. It'd be great. Yeah, so it's Yasmin she's back she's been in there the whole time just lurking around um she smacks Todd <laughs> with a dash of lime on the head with the baton <laughs> and reveals herself and she's like hi Camilla <laughs> it's me it's hi me. I am not the problem no it's him I'm the solution <laughs> he's the problem he's the problem so they get they hug and um she couldn't get out when everybody else escaped, so she hid, and then she tried to find a way to get to Camilla. Kudos to her, because Yasmin was not trained to do missions the way, like, Camilla was, and she survived undetected in that demon haunting of a house, so, like, kudos to her. And we're seeing, I like the, even with everything else going on, we do get this evolution with Yasmin about yeah her starting as someone who just researches all of this stuff and is really excited about it. To someone who is owning their own, like, um, getting in the action and becoming yeah. a sister of the OCS. Mm. And it's, it's like Camilla has a junior nun to... Yes, because to Camilla shepherd. was the junior before. She was. So Camilla yeah. has her own little um, intern, yes. shall we say, an OCS intern. <laughs> Which we find adorable. I love it. I love and them. Yasmin is adorable. They're both just the best. So they are. Uh, she apologizes for being late, and Camilla is like, "No, you're right on time." I'm like, yeah, because Todd just came back with a, a drink. dash of lime. <laughs> yeah, with a dash of lime, and tried to possess you. Uh, so they check on Todd, and he's alive. Uh, <laughs> Apparently, a seminary didn't prepare Yasmin for hitting people in the head. Uh, yeah, but you're good at it, so I guess. Keep doing it. Keep it up, girl. The <laughs> Camilla will teach you how to fight. And she informs Camilla that there was a, some kind of ritual in the main hall that happened to Todd. So she saw what happened to Todd. And probably, you know, kind of followed him back to where Camilla was. Mm -hmm. But they go and sneak into this um, main hall to watch Creepy Christian, trademarked, baptize a baby 
a baby in the name of Adriel, which means AKA possess it with a demon. Yeah, dash Well, baby dark, listen, I'm not a child person. And so this is what I assume every child looks like, <laughs> to be honest. Fair. Full demon eyes. I mean, I feel like happy hour is really, should be 21 and up, and you guys should have stuck <laughs> with that you. in your uh, church. What the fuck? Adriel it does not go in for age limits, apparently. So I, he's I, given limes out like there's nobody's business. Yeah, and the writers are very much, very much... Uh, using this as a big old metaphor for religious indoctrination of exactly. children and social commentary. Exactly. So well done, talented writer's room there. Yeah. Pay them more. And, yep, pay them more. And uh, one last thing I want to say about this scene or comment on is Christian. And how much do you want to bet that he is the only person in this church that is not possessed by a demon? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like, he's he's doing all this shit because he's just naturally brainwashed. Yeah, he's creepy all on his own. And he's, like, if you look at him in the scene, he's just, like, <gasps> like just so happy that they're just indoctrinating children because he genuinely believes in this. And yeah. I think, to me, that's scarier than people being possessed by demons and acting happy about this, you know? It is. Mm-hmm. Because he has free will, and he's sitting here... Choosing to do this. Choosing to uh, get babies drunk with demons. And uh, social commentary is all I'm going to say. Good job, writers. Give them a raise. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, is happy hour over? Uh, yeah, thank Christ. Thank Christ. <laughs> thank bisexual <laughs> Jesus. All right. Thank so we're bisexual gonna... Jesus that we've come to the next scene. Yeah, speaking of bisexual Jesus. So uh, while that's all happening, Ava is shoving the not hot priest into her room. And she's like, you need to... <laughs> Which sounds so bad. She's like, listen, shut the fuck up and do what I say. Because if anyone gets a whiff that you're here, they'll kill you. And by others, she definitely means Beatrice. Yes, she does. (laughs) And I would have liked to watch that, personally. I want a ticket to that show. Right. And uh, so uh, no one catches them, unfortunately, for our amusement. But they clear the air here a little bit because there's been some tension since he betrayed everybody. So he expresses that, you know, yeah, he acknowledges he did some fuckery and he acknowledges that the, and and admits the thing that broke his allegiance to Adriel was the fact that Adriel claimed the Pope was killed by God when, like, he knew full well that Adriel is the one that was like, yeah, flip the switch Mm -hmm. and fry him. So he was like, you are not, you're not God. Like, I understand you now that you're just some imposter with powers and not really an angel. You are not a messenger. You're not the next coming of Christ or whatever. You're just subdued. He is no God. So that's when he's like, yep, I fell for it. And Ava's like, yep, he's just a man. Like, which is what we've been saying the whole podcast. Uh, and uh, then I had priest is like, yeah, I get that. But hard lesson for a priest to learn, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, we're all learning some lessons, you know. Uh, so... He, I think at this point, kind of senses that Ava is also having a crisis of faith because it's, like, wafting off of her. And he transitions the conversation, basically, from him to, like, a pep talk for Ava. Because, you know, he saw the writing on the wall in the church with the way everything went down with the battle with uh, Adriel, and it did not go well. And I think he kind of relates to that, you know, feeling of just, like, utter failure. And he says, you know, 
he felt broken. He feels broken in mind, body, and soul. And, like, he's just hit some rock bottom. But he has hope because of Ava. And he saw Ava fight back with Adriel. And, like, the way that people are rallying, basically, whether she knows or not, by evidence by the graffiti, he's like, yeah, maybe since Adriel really isn't what he seems to be, he may- maybe he's not that good. Here's the antithesis. You know, she has a chance. He's afraid of her. She's, you know, the hope all along. Which great but like bruh we're in this situation because of you <laughs> you know you know and Ava is not buying this like pep talk he's given she's like I've heard this song before I don't like the ending all these foolish men that are just useless of hell useless as hell and are trying to like use her uh, a capable woman to clean up their mess and save them from their own bullshit and like that's what's been happening for like millennia in real life and uh, it was like, I'm not having this. You let the devil loose. This is all your fucking fault. Like, own up and, like, take responsibility for this shit. And uh, personally, I am not a Vincent apologist. I've never been one. I think this man did actual harm of his own free will and deserves uh-huh. actual consequences for his actions. I'm tired of it. But, like, in real life, the mediocre white men will face no consequences whatsoever and get away with unleashing literal hell on Earth while the rest of us suffer. And I hate it here. Yes. And so does Ava. So. But, like, not Hot Priest is like, you know, I know, seriously, though, I'm sincere, though. I changed my mind. I've chosen you over Lilith. It's going to be great. You, only you can restore the world. Ava. And Ava comes back and says, I don't really care what you believe in. I just need a way to end this bullshit that you created and defeat Adriel without risking the lives of the people that I love. So, yes, Queen. Absolutely. Um, thank you for reading this man to filth. Somebody needed to. And yeah. second of all, did you say love? Who who, who, do, who do we love? Ava? Yeah. yeah Ava. Ava. I need yeah, please elaborate. to be more specific. <laughs> yeah. Like, we need some names or name. We just need saying. one name. I need one name. Just, just, just saying. Admit it. Just saying. So. Okay, we'll put okay, that. Put this is in a that safe room. space. This is a safe space. He's a priest. You can confess things to him. It's fine. It's fine. We're not listening. We're listening. Please tell us. Anyway. Um, so the not-head priest is like, yeah, okay, cool. If you really are down with defeating him, the, the key is the crown. Because um, there's something in the nature of the crown that he fears. Yeah. And I've always kind of, like, wondered, like, what exactly is Adriel afraid of with the crown? Um, like, obviously it comes from the other dimension, so it has powers. But I wonder if it has, like, a connection to Rhea and that's what he's afraid of. Or, or it's something like the Halo where it's sentient and it's, like, beyond even, like... What Rhea can do, I don't know. It seems like there's more to this crown that we get in the entire season and what it's actually capable of doing. Because like he's yeah. af- he's, he's af- he seems to be afraid of two things, Rhea, for obvious reasons, and then this crown. So I just find that really interesting, and I'm very curious about that. And it seems like he's afraid of it beyond the scope of it being able to incapacitate him. Yeah. The exactly. point where maybe it would let Rhea control him or give, read his thoughts or something. Totally. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, so, exactly. I'm, I'm with you. Because we see what happens to Ava when she puts the crown on. 
Yeah, she goes into this, like, third space where they get to talk or whatever or see the future. I don't even really know for sure, but, like, but what happens to Ava later is, like, nothing bad happens to her. So the fact, I think there's more to it than we're seeing. Yeah, exactly. And it's, yeah. It's just, it's very interesting. don't have a complete picture yet. Exactly. I, I agree with you. I think it goes beyond the incapacitating and beyond what we see with Ava to make him afraid, which I find interesting. Yes, me too. Uh, the other piece of the scene that's uh, important. So we speculated on this a very long time ago. We're like, how on earth did the not hot priest get corrupted by Adriel? Were oh. there whisperings happening? And he confirms in the scene that he has divinium tattoos, which like, where did he get divinium to like, Thank isn't you. it a rare metal? Like, how did he even get the materials to make the tattoos? He did Is there know. He did know that dude that was like dealing in oh, black true, market true. Um, religious right. artifacts. So, probably mm-hmm. through that network. Yeah, that's a good point. Black market deals. Yeah, but anyway, he has divinium tattooed into his arms, and Adriel is communicating through the through the tattoos. And Ava's like, "Well, that's interesting." Um, this is, uh, communication's a two-way street, and she, like, grabs his arms. Basically, he's a telephone. <laughs> he's a telephone. <laughs> She's gonna text Adriel. <laughs> no! Who wants to text Adriel? Oh. No one. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, that's fun. Uh, Using sure not hot priest as a conduit. <sighs> so... Speaking of calling Adriel, that's where we're going, unfortunately, because apparently Adriel needs, Christian is now Adriel's, I don't know, secretary, bitch, bitch. all of the above. (laughs) And uh, he's, I guess... I don't know if he dictated this to him or if he's just doing a beta read of, of what in, it. What in the AO3 is this? What is, is this? Yeah, this is not a fan fiction I would read. No, this is like Adriel's Jesus fan fiction. I think Adriel this would is. write a fan fiction about himself. That's like, what I mean. On. He's like, yep, that's the new Bible. Uh, exactly. No, exactly. That's what up. it is. This is the new yeah. Bible. And Christian has like gotten it down on paper for him. Yeah. And he's like, spread my word to the world. <laughs> I'm like, you need to be taken down a peg or 39. Burn that, is what I'm saying. Yeah, please burn that book. It is. Mm. I'm not in favor of burning books, except this one. Yeah, I think there are more cursed works on AO3 yeah. that are less harmful for humanity than whatever this book is. I also just don't Throwing think that. Out that- there. I also, I'm not even going to call it a book because it's not. It's Adriel's fan fiction. Yes. We don't want it. So, there should be a trigger warning. Yes. But, basically, he's like, spread my word and the people will be enthralled. Shut the fuck up. Oh, my God. (laughs) You're an idiot. Literally. So that's when we get the phone call coming in, or more like a, like a Star Trek phone call. I don't know. Yeah, it's grainy, you know, early uh, technology. It's like a, yeah, it's like that holographic yeah. projection thing in yes. Star Wars. Uh, so Shimmery Vincent shows up looking, you know, super fab with his gold shimmer going on. Um, so he recognizes him, unlike the fucking dudes earlier, <laughs> and it's like, 
Oh, it's my minion. What the fuck you doing? Which, like, why doesn't he think it's weird that, like, yeah. he's astral projecting to him? Thank why you. is that not weird? Thank you. <laughs> anyway, I guess he's just... Does, does anybody know anything about the Not Hot Priest? Because, like, the goons didn't yeah. know who he was. And then Adriel's like, oh, look, you came to visit me. Like, you need the power, like, your specific powers to make those possible. And he doesn't think this is weird. I... Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I don't want to... I don't get it. <laughs> but the anyway. uh, Vincent showing up has a side effect, which we're a fan of. Yes. This is the only thing the Not Hot Priest is a part of that I'm down for. Because it makes Adriel's, Adriel get a migraine. Yeah, his migraine-inducing powers. Well done. Yes. I mean, he gives me a migraine, too, so I guess. Uh, yeah. The So Adriel like, puts his fingers to his temple, and he falls to his knees. So this is a pretty dramatic effect it's oh having on God. him. Oh, my God. Well, yeah, did you expect I'll... Adriel to do like, not be Drama super queen? stupidly no. dramatic? Yeah. On the other side of the phone call, mm. Ava falls to her knees as well. So this is draining her halo power. Yeah. And probably a fuck ton because astral projecting not hot priest has got to be quite a chore. Yeah. I mean, she's never done it before, too. So, like, yeah. yeah you so know, this is her first try. Yeah. Go, Ava. Mm hmm. So then Adriel's like groaning as we see the Divinium tattoos melt out of the not hot priest's arms and adriel yells get out of my head and we get whatever power he's pushed at the projection and ava's blown away from the not hot priest uh, it looks like a halo blast almost so yeah it does a little bit it's like him pushing his power back against hers yeah to push her off of and exactly yeah. and she's drained so right she can't fight that and then Creepy Christian tries to help Adriel up, and he's like, fuck off! This <laughs> <laughs> is like, he's like this, a little bitch. I can't remember this actor's name, but he is so good at acting creepy. And he really subservient. is. Oh my God. He's like a little ghoul or something. He but he clutches his fan fiction and <laughs> walks away. <laughs> he does. Like, it's precious, does. my precious. Oh my he's Gollum. So. Yeah, so... Then you, we come back and we see the not hot priest's arms are all bloody because the divinium has come through his skin and melted yeah. out of him. Adriel, like we said earlier, is afraid of the crown, something inside of it, some truth, but she couldn't quite see. Of course. Of course, because mystery and drama. Yeah. <sighs> so. Yeah, we were so close. <laughs> then she asks question and i hate that this question is what comes to her mind right now but do you think embracing death can lead to enlightenment no i know i hate that she repeats back michael's words do not repeat the cult words <sighs> no it's literally cult language stop it run away from nexium this is <laughs> god this is you're gonna end up in a sex adriel sex cult <laughs> Or a death cult is more like it. Yeah, death cult. But anyway, yeah. Ugh, I hate it. So she's holding the crown and activating it, and I'm like, "No, Ava, 
Especially, like, unsupervised with this guy as your only witness to this, you know? Rhea, Something goes I, wrong. That's the thing is both sides of this. I don't care if you're on Adriel's side or Rhea's side or whatever. They're both super culty. Yeah. And no, it's, they there's are. no good side here. And that's the point. I, that it, but it, and it's supposed to make you uncomfortable and nervous. And I don't like it. Yeah. I mean, nailed it. I nailed it. <laughs> <sighs> to be happy and making out on Beatrice's side of the bed. Sorry, what? Yeah. I mean, we can only dream. Maybe that's what's in the crown. We'll find out later. <laughs> Perhaps. It's just Ava's dreams. <sighs> dream. All right. So while all that cult bullshit and fan fiction is happening, uh, Mother Superior is uh, chilling on the couch, like living her best life. And she gets a, uh, a call from Camilla. Camilla's like, listen, I'm alive. Yaz is here. Uh, but everything is not great. There's a, there, there's a, there's a creepy cult here. There's a fan fiction Bible. It's straight up blasphemy. You guys, you need to get the OCS here now. And then she just hangs up. She like leaves no room for Mother Superior to like get details. It's just, we're at the church. Get us. And Mother Superior um, whips around to Beatrice and Dora, who are in the background. She's like, get the sisters ready. And I'm like, what sisters? They're the only are, ones in yeah, the room. What sisters? <laughs> what sisters? Are there, are can there you more? see something that we can't see? <laughs> are there reserve <laughs> sisters? Do we have like the B team somewhere? Yeah, it was like, yeah, do we have to activate the OCS reserves from like Jeez. the other churches? But uh, anyway, regardless of that, I, I want to just point, that's the whole scene, but I want to point out something I noticed mm-hmm. here because like most Spirian is just on the couch chilling and like, Beatrice is like lurking in the background and I have noticed she's been doing a lot of lurking this season where she's just like eavesdropping on people like a lot it just happens a lot you know she's uh taking in information and yeah she's got to get intel somehow I mean she's just she's really good at her job so it doesn't surprise me yeah just she's somewhat unassuming she is Anyway, yeah, so let's go over to bisexual Jesus mm-hmm. or pansexual Jesus. We're not sure. It, we'll go with the aforementioned. Ava is on the bed that she shares with Beatrice. I don't yes. care. That's what we're calling it forevermore. Yep. The bed they share. So she's got the she's got the crown on and she's being guarded, watched, whatever by the not hot priest. He's got bandages all over his arms now. Like did he just like sit down and perfectly bandage himself like while she yeah. was off while she's unconscious? World? <laughs> but the no way he's standing is like super weird. I don't know, like sit down or something, bro. Also, knowing him, she probably put the crown on, and he's like, cool. And then he left her to go find bandages. Yeah. Because, you know, he's what? negligent. What a... F- I hate him. Yeah. So, the gang comes in, and Dora pulls her gun on the not-hot priest, and I'm like, yes! Finally! Finally! <sighs> However, unfortunately, she doesn't shoot him. And Michael goes to take the crown off of Ava, but the not hot priest stops him. And I'm, as soon as he puts his hand on Michael, I'm like, why didn't, like, if I would just, 
assume that someone would be like that Michael would have had more of a reaction to that. I know. Everybody is very like what I find really weird about this scene compared to like where the finale picks up is that everybody in this scene is really calm, but in the yeah. next scene their emotions ramp up to one hundred with how angry exactly. they are at the priest. And I'm like they're, they walk in and not hot priest is there and they're acting like he's always been there. Or something. Right. I'm like, what? They, Why is everyone except surprised? Dora calm? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, I mean, Beatrice like, has a look of murder in her eyes, yeah. but nobody is like reacting appropriately for this situation based on the knowledge they know right now, which is like the crown incapacitates Ava and makes her useless, you know? Exactly. It's weird. And I, I, I get Beatrice not. Okay. So I know that she's it's very Beatrice like to ask questions first. And we've seen in the scenes before that she's getting to this point where she's not going to act on her emotions. Right. True. So we have that. But Ava, the warrior nun's in danger. Like she's right. All you walk in and you see she's incapacitated with the crown and not not priest is creepy standing over her. Yeah, the guy that betrayed all of them and caused this problem in the first place. So, like, yeah, like, at first glance, this looks really bad, like, logically. Yeah, my first reaction is, somebody go to Ava, somebody restrain Not Hot Priest. Yes, stop whatever this is. like, chill and ask questions. And listen to him. And listen to the Not Hot Priest. This scene is You listen after you have gotten the situation under control. Exactly. That would make sense from, like, an operations Thank you. team. Like, their actions here are very strange. Like, Michael Out of character, is, almost. Michael's not an OCS agent, so he doesn't, like, have that kind of training. But he didn't react. Like, no, Dora's the only one. And Dora's, Dora's the take, only one that reacts appropriately, yeah. Dora's going to defer to Beatrice, obviously. And I also like that Michael defers to Beatrice in this She's a boss. She's proven that on so many occasions. She's the boss. He knows it. He's given up. He's like, you're in charge. I get it. Because when the not hot priest stops Michael from taking the crown off, he's like, Beatrice? Yeah. (laughs) Boss, what do we do? (laughs) Exactly. I loved that so much. Yes. I appreciate that aspect. Mm -hmm. So, basically... asks her what to do and she's like she doesn't know and so what she does know after the not the not hot priest is like she chose this she put it on herself and i do think that beatrice knows that ava would be crazy enough to go find yeah. the not hot priest yeah, and true. put the crown on so yeah. i do think that from that standpoint she would at least entertain that ava has done this to herself because who it's very Ava-like behavior. Yeah. She is pretty reckless. Sometimes. Yeah. So aside from the initial reactions, the Beatrice's assessment after everything's explained does make sense to me. I will give it that. Um, we go to Ava, who is in the dark third place. It almost feels like a place that's between the dimensions. Yeah. I, like a limbo I, of sorts. I'm thinking purgatory. Like it's a purgatory metaphor. Yeah. Yeah, like an in-between, like you said. Chilling in purgatory and uh, trying to figure out what she saw. What is Adriel afraid of? How can she defeat Adriel? That's why she's here. And who shows up but some Tarask demons. And there's a bunch of them. There's a a whole, there's a shithouse full of Tarask demons. There sure are. 
A whole squad. <laughs> they're just staring her down, and and her response is, "Come on, then." So I wonder too if part of what I wonder if Adriel knows, because like, all right, I'm trying to organize my thoughts. So with the purgatory situation of putting the crown on, mm-hmm. I wonder if in that realm it exposes the halo, the person in purgatory to Rhea. Because, like, the Taras demons are really extensions of Rhea. Right, exactly. So I wonder if that's what he's afraid of, of being exposed to Rhea. And that's partially what the crown does. I wonder if she created it. Because remember, she's the one that gave it to Ariel. I was like, here you go. So I wonder if it's linked to her somehow, like, in a sentient way, the way, like, the halo is kind of sentient. Like, it, like, reports to her, basically, or the Tarask, her minions, or whatever. Yeah, no, I could totally, since they can track the Halo. Yeah, because, like, they find Ava immediately when she's in that purgatory place. They're like, oh, hello. He stole it from Rhea, so. Right. It was Rhea's. This is all her shit, and she has, it's her super-duper technology, so she can feel it wherever it is. Yeah, I think whatever she is, in their dimension, she is definitely more powerful and has more powers than him. Yeah. So it's plausible that she can create things. Michael says at one point that he was, or whoever says at some point that he was basically her servant. I think it was Michael, probably. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's like the uprising, throwing over the... Yeah. Or at least that's, that's her word yeah that's her version of the story exactly so yeah um and that was that was the end we get the (laughs) ava just like well okay then let's go this is happening (laughs) (laughs) trust demons that's so ava this was uh, like the shortest episode in the season too yeah which was weird but setting up the finale yeah Um, so with episode seven, how much, how many shots for by Jesus would you take for this episode? Six. Um, they didn't kill Mother Superior. That that saved. So that's. I'm yeah. gonna take away, um, take away points for Beatrice shutting Ava down because that just makes me sad. Ugh. Yeah. And then I just have to add points for Dora being there and existing. And being the only one to have a sensible reaction to the not hot priest. Agreed. Yeah. I think, yeah. A six, I think a six is fair. Not enough gay stuff happened, but for me to give it higher, but enough happened to put it past the five. Like Ava, Ava and Beatrice had a conversation that was a good one, but it was sad, like you said. Camilla and Yaz, we got them being cute. There was too much of the not hot priest and too much Christian and the creepy scenes with Jillian Michaels. And also infecting the baby. (laughs) And our demon happy hour that's not so happy. Don't want it. No, I don't want it. I don't want it in real life either. This is not the version of painting with a twist that I want. No, nobody asked for any of that. So it loses points because of all of that. Exactly. But overall good episode for setting up the finale i think where like there's conflict that needs to be resolved that they're like being like remember all of this before going into like the conclusion slash end i guess 
Yeah, you gotta gotta have not hot priest come back to which sides again. Yeah, he's the worst, honestly. Freaking flip floppers. He, he's the switch we didn't ask for. You know? Correct. No one asked for this. No. But that concludes episode 207 of oh, Warrior Nine. Oh, you said six was a fair, so okay, I got you. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think it's a six. It's, it's not enough stuff to put it higher, but there's enough stuff to put it past a five, so I think six is a good six shots for that. Uh, I would like six shots without a demon and no lime. <laughs> Please. Thank you. Six shots with no demon lines. <laughs> no demon lines. But uh, that concludes that episode. So when we come back, we're going to conclude the season two finale, which was one hell of an episode. Absolutely. And that's going to take a hot minute. Yeah. This episode was short because the episode was short, but oh, the the conversations that the finale will bring because it's just so good. So many things to discuss. So many so, gay so, so things. Good. So many. Um... Oh my lord! All, All right. the feels. I'm getting the chills. I know. I know. I know. I know. Yes. So that's all we got, queers. So until next time, we'll see you later. Bye. Bye. And with that, we've been Big Gay Energy. If you like this episode, check out all our other episodes on whatever you're using to listen right now. If you're listening on Apple, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review, no matter how brief. It helps us get into Apple's algorithm to reach a wider audience. Please feel free to reach out to us. We would love to hear from you about everything and anything. You can find us on all the social medias at Big Gay Energy Pod. Or email us at biggayenergypod at gmail.com. If you'd like to make friends with other queer media-loving people, reach out to us to join our Discord server. If you'd like to support us, check out our merch store or join our Patreon for early access to episodes, exclusive content, and so much more. Until next time, stay safe and hydrate for Lesbian Jesus.